0: Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. Today I am joined by the one and only Bonnie Siegler. Bonnie, thank you so much for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So for those of you who do not know Bonnie, Bonnie Siegler is the founder of Eight and a Half, a multidisciplinary design studio. Um, But they do more than just design. They make things strategically, visually, and editorially with intelligence and a sense of humor. Um, Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. I, you're very funny. From, from what I've seen on Lynda.com videos, you are pretty funny, so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, eight and a half partners with clients in all media of all kinds, including brand and identity systems, online experiences, information design, motion graphics, publication design, literally everything. Bonnie... <laughs> I'm going to cut right there. I'm good. Uh, Bonnie was voted uh, the 50 most influential designers working today by Graphic Design USA. So I recently took, well, I should say I recently watched your um, How to Design a Career, and I was really intrigued by that, and I also took your course on art direction. Excellent. But I I was interested to know that you had a very similar experience to me, where you didn't know it was called graphic design, but you kind of stumbled upon it accidentally, which happens to a lot. Um, You collected, and I thought I was the only one who did this, you collected hotel amenities. I did. (laughs) And waited for openings of TV shows and the exact yep. moment would come on. Did you watch the rest of the TV show or no?
1: I did. I did. But I had to be there. Most people could be there as long as when the show started. But I had to be there before the did show started. But when, but you had video and, and you know, yeah. you could tape stuff on your on your DVR or whatever. Yes. So if I missed the opening to The Partridge Family, I had to wait a week to see it again.
0: Oh, that's horrible. Did, did you have a – was The Partridge Family your favorite? Was –
1: it was pretty, pretty high up there. Partridge yeah. family, Mary Taylor Moore, Lost in Space. I always, for whatever reason, loved Cheers.
0: I don't know why. I think it's like because I I grew up like with Nick at Night, and like that sound would mean that I was like up too late, so it was like cool. <laughs> so. I, I've,
1: I've, I'm a huge fan of Cheers, and my 11 year old just watched the entire thing. Yeah. Like, nine seasons
0: i i binge watched it uh on, on the train and i kind of got to a point i was more of a fan of like the earlier stuff than the, i was gonna
1: ask Diana Rebecca rebecca i am Diana. a diane
0: guy to my dying day
1: yeah, yeah absolutely
0: that's awesome <laughs> i don't know how we got off on that tangent but uh <laughs> uh
1: yeah it was disney world actually that was the first place i really noticed design and because they were the first experience I had with branding being so overwhelming and hugely successful, Right, I was 13. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was that I was so drawn to, but I started collecting the amenities from the hotel and the different restaurants, which were all themed differently. Right. Right. Each of the parks had a slightly different thing going on with the architecture and the design and the language. It was just so cohesive, so well done.
0: Was there anything else in your childhood that kind of, after Disney, like when did you, in, in high school, in college, did you design like school play posters or something like that? Was there anything in
1: particular? I No, you know, mostly I did stuff for myself. I was obsessed with Andy Warhol. And I went to Carnegie Mellon um, because he went there. Right. It was Carnegie Tech when he went there, but he really changed the way I saw the world. Right. So right. I was really into him and, and other pop artists and their relationship between art and commercial art. That just...
0: <sighs> right. Um,
1: so it, I went in that way more than... I didn't know any graphic designers. There was no graphic design in my high school. There was nothing teaching me. Right. So... I had to, yeah. I just had to find it out on my own. So college was really amazing, right? right. Because other people who knew what this thing was, and
0: (laughs) that's so cool. (laughs) Paul, I actually just spoke with Paula Shera last week, and she said the same thing that she was like, she felt like a loser until, and then she went to college, and it was like all of a sudden this moment of like like like-minded people and people who felt the same way. So
1: yes, it was like that no rain video with the bumblebee girl. Do you know that video? Never
0: mind. No, no, we've come this far. Now I need to know what what is the bumblebee video?
1: It's a little girl who's dressed as a bumblebee, and she's the only bumblebee. And then she, in the end of the video, she's let loose into a field with lots of other bumblebees. Oh my god! She feels good. At this point in my life,
0: I think I would start crying if I saw that. (laughs) It's it's pretty good. That's awesome. Very cool. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about um, Command X, and I know that between Linda and Command X and everything, you're very active in helping young designers, which thank you, because I feel like we need it, and that's one of the reasons <laughs> why I started this uh, this podcast. So um, let's start with Command X. How did yes. you come up with that, and uh, for those young designers who don't know about it, how can they get involved or submit?
1: Well, Command X is a competition that takes place at the AIGA National Conference. Um, So we choose seven designers. You have to be 26 or under, so you fit. Going quickly. Um, And you enter with five samples of your work and a written paragraph about why you should be chosen for Command X. And the paragraph is actually almost more crucial than the work. The work is important, but the combination of the two is really what makes the decision. So then the seven contestants get to go to the conference for free, and they participate in this crazy competition where they have to design to a specific project and they're judged on stage in front of 2000, you know, other professional designers,
0: so scary, oh
1: it's very God. scary. Yeah. I know, but, they, but it's been an incredible experience. I think we're up to the seventh one now because the conference used to be every other year and now it's every year. Um, and we're going to announce, um, applications, I think in May so soon. Cool. I, better, every- I better get on that. The first girl who won, I think she had like 400 job offers or something insane like that. Wow! And the last guy who won now works for me. That's from, so cool. Won uh, in October, and you win prizes and money and fame, and it's what, it's great. What was it
0: about? Uh, is it that's a guy who works for you, right? What's his name? Yep,
1: Adam Layman.
0: Adam Lehman. What was it about? Uh, was it his paragraph? Was it his ideas? Because I'm kind of fascinated by this. It's like the ideas versus like the technical skills. And I feel like a yes. lot of people are so set on technical skills that their ideas conceptually are not
1: so much there. So was it like what he wrote? Was it what he did? His character? It was a, it was a combination. And also the presentation itself. You know, every, we take the whole thing into consideration. Right. How did they design that front page, which has their picture in the paragraph, which some people don't think about. I once, there, when I was working at VH1, I got a resume. I got a portfolio, in those days, you would drop your portfolio off. Right. The portfolio was dropped off, and there was a cover letter on top and a resume. And underneath the cover letter and the resume were the three other versions of the cover letter that she had typed and designed, unsure of which cover letter looked the best. That's so good And cute. the fact that she cared so much about the way the cover letter looked Right. She she w- would have been embarrassed. I'm sure that I had all those versions. Yeah. But it told me a lot about her, and I hired her. It was like almost because of that, because she cared about the details, the things most people don't care about.
0: I applied for. Uh, I had sent this letter to Emily. This is so embarrassing, but I feel like I need to talk Tell about me. it. Tell I wrote this letter. I like paced around on my on my roof. I, like I like made voice memos and I recorded it. And I ma- so I wrote this story about. Uh, when I was younger, I used to dress up like Santa Claus and like I like have all like these phases and stuff like that. And like Star Wars, and I was like a kid with a wild imagination. The Santa Claus thing was really weird. But I was like, screw it, I'll put it in there, it'll be heartfelt. So uh, I sent it to Debbie, Debbie loved it, and then she sent it to Emily. And then I went and interviewed at Pentagram and uh, it was so funny because I didn't speak with Emily, I spoke with like Timothy Cohen and, and those guys. So I don't know that is. it's like the people who they were, like work for her or whatever. Uh I I don't know if she wasn't there that day or whatever, but it was so embarrassing though because I wrote this like heartfelt, like, you know, like personal letter, sensitive personal letter. And they're like, I was like, did you guys read the letter? And then I, and then I screwed myself out of the job there because I, um, I like had this job that was like offering like a full-time thing and like, Oh, like it's a two week trial period. But I didn't know what, what that meant. That Uh basically means like two weeks and like, you're going to get either booted or get it so I passed up an internship at Pentagram to get a job that I didn't get, which was like
1: devastating. Ugh.
0: And those guys think that I'm a weirdo because I write letters to Emily Oberman about Santa Claus, so. No,
1: no, no, not yeah.
0: at all. It was really awkward. I felt no, like I no, no. tell you.
1: I think that's nice. I think, you know, I'm teaching a class for Linda right now about how to get a job in graphic design. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I will promote <laughs> it so hardcore. <laughs> And one of the things is, I mean, we get a lot of emails, right, now right, emails, yeah. and sometimes you can just tell that somebody just sent the same letter to every single person. And, you know, it saved you a lot of time, but it means very little to me to right. get, you know, I'm looking for a job, look at my portfolio, Yeah, sincerely. Right. Like, that tells me nothing about you.
0: Right. That's so true.
1: So, I think doing something personal and that means something to you comes across. For sure. Important.
0: We just had a guy actually today here, at, I'm at Bulletproof uh, in New York City here, a package design company, and we had a guy came today, this is ridiculous and it's actually fitting, he uh, dressed up as a donut delivery guy, and he came in with Dunkin' Donuts, but he had like his logo on top of the donut thing, and then like inside the donut box, yeah, we were all a little bit weirded out too, uh, but no, it was cool though, it was, it was really funny, and then like inside was his like, resume, and it was like a donut resume. But it's funny though because the entire office was talking about it. So it's like people might think like, well, what would have my idea. And he had 15 people at the company looking over his portfolio. And there's probably that's, 20 yeah, inbox nice messages.
1: That's really terrific. I, I mean, breaking the rule, you know, it's very, it's scary to break the rules because you could really fuck it up right. or right. you could kick ass because no one's ever done anything like it before. Right. So that's true. But it, doing, breaking the rules well is amazing.
0: Right. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's weird. Like, for a young designer who's written a lot of cover letters and stuff, you don't know what's too far and what's weird. And not that it's, like, not appropriate, but it's just, like, what – there could be one thing that could throw off the entire thing that just, like, smells a little weird. Yes. Is there anything that you can say without giving away your, uh, your course? Or, sh- or should we wait for the course?
1: No, no, no. I, I got a letter recently from someone who said, I'd really like to work for you because I want to make my portfolio better. That's an example of something not to say. Right. Because th- that sort of goes without saying for any young designer. Right. But my right. goal is not making your portfolio better. I want to know what he can do for me. <laughs> right. That's so true. And so, to, and his whole email was about how much he wanted good stuff in his portfolio. It was sort of like, so can I use you for a while? Yeah. Is that okay with you? But I'm paying you. Right. It just—it was a terrible direction to go. Oh, that's not good.
0: That's not no, good it
1: was—it was really bad.
0: Yeah. Another thing is like copy and pasting the cover letter and then not changing the name. That's another oh, yeah. biggest fear. Missing a podcast date and doing that are my two biggest fears.
1: <laughs> we we definitely at, at number seventeen we got one once that had. Dear number 17, the reason I'd like to work at Pentagram is blah, 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 because, and then I can't remember, you know, like some other design firm does such great work. So they just completely messed it up. three separate ones? Three different design firms mentioned in the cover letter to us. Oh my God. That's not good. I could could see if it was
0: like Pentagram because maybe they would apply to like to, to you and to Emily and that they like both of your work, but then to have the third one.
1: No, 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 this was at number 17 pre-pentagram.
0: Oh, okay, cool, cool, <laughs> So let's talk about from, let's get back to from college until, and what happened after college? When did you meet Emily? When did you start um, number, number 17? 17. Yeah, I'm making sure I got my numbers right, number 17. Yes. <laughs> Eight
1: and a half is half of number 17. Very
0: smart. Thank Trendy. you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um. Emily and I met at our first job out of college at a small design studio, and we became best friends day one. Right. It was just silly. It was silliness. Yeah. Um, and then we started working together on freelance projects immediately, but we didn't start, and we knew we were going to do it eventually, but we didn't do it for another seven years. Wow. So we just did, had our jobs and did um, freelance work at night, every night.
0: Yeah, oh. and then eventually you just got kind of like, how does that happen? How do you go from starting your own studio? Because I had that, like, I'm going to wing it and start my own studio, and that lasted, like, a week. So it's, it's kind of a brave thing to do. When did you want to well, When did you know?
1: We always knew, but, but we were working out of my apartment. We didn't get an office until for the first, like, five months or so. Wow. So um, So we had no overhead. Um, and we had work immediately from VH1 and other places. So we, we, we started out with some pretty great projects. Right. Um, and then, then that was it.
0: And then the number 17, uh, it was a parking spot, right? Is that? It was. Sorry. No, I just listened to Debbie Millman on a regular basis. So I think that you mentioned you or Emily, somebody mentioned that on there.
1: Yes, we were. We went on a trip to Spain together when, like, five years before um, we started the company. And every the it starts with we got off the plane and we rented a car and they said your car is in space number seventeen. Then they gave us our room number and it was number seventeen and we were like, that's so funny because our car was in space na-. and then we went Dude, to the Guggenheim Museum. The, num- the number
0: seventeen, it's seventeen. 17- on the clock right now for how we've been talking for 17 minutes
1: wow see that's Look how on the youtube it, thing that's right here is
0: 17 minutes
1: that's cr- that's how it happened and and that's then we so went to weird. the museum and they said can you check your bags together because it was like you know a museum where you had to check bags and they gave us ticket number 17. Wow. and then it just kept happening there are a million more stories but that was the first time and then when when we were starting our company, we were just like, well, what else are we going to call it? We have to call it number 17. For sure.
0: When was, what was it like when you first like, had to pay someone's salary? When you go from being two girls in an apartment, <laughs> randomly seeing the number 17, to then, <laughs> to, to then going and, and, and having clients and, and being responsible for people's well-being and their livelihood, really. That's got to be crazy.
1: It was really organic my My younger sister had just graduated from college, and she was just hanging out in our apartment and When my phone rang, we would say like, "Just pick it up and say number seventeen um, So she started answering the phone and she stayed on as our office manager for thirteen years and And our first designer, um, Matthew Jacobson, was I think a student of emily 's, and i 'm trying to remember I think he yeah he wasn 't an intern I think he was just our designer. And he started when we moved into an office. So we built very slowly. And right. it was it just, yeah, it was just fine.
0: You didn't have that like startup vibe. Like we need to grow immediately. That's a cool. No, thing.
1: no, no, we never had that. Yeah. We, had, we had work and we were very lucky.
0: Yeah. And you had some amazing work. Who are some of your favorite clients? Uh, there's a, a whole bunch of them, but who are your favorite clients that you got to work with at number 17?
1: I mean, our first project... Well, first we did an ad campaign for VH1, like right out of the gate. Right. I had just left there, and they hired us to do an ad campaign. And it ended up on the front page of the New York Post, because wow. we did this ad campaign comparing you and your parents. The tagline was, everything will be okay as long as I don't turn into my parents. And I feel that just, right
0: now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we showed Madonna, who was big then, and the Madonna, in one of the ads that was on buses and, and phone booths around the city and the New York Post called us Catholic bashers. So something we did got like, you know, press right away, which was very exciting for us. And and we're not Catholic Bashers. Yeah. It was just the words, <laughs> the name was the same. Right. Um, and we did a lot of work for QVC in the beginning, but we also started working for Saturday Night Live pretty early on. My mom was pumped when she heard that
0: you guys that you were going to be coming on my
1: podcast. I was like she did SNL
0: <laughs> I go talk to people at Google. She doesn't care. I say SNL and all of a sudden I have street cred with my mom. It's really I'm weird. glad
1: I could <laughs> help with that.
0: <laughs> so then after the number 17 and it was, was it, how many years was it? Don't tell 18. me. It was
1: 17. it was 18 years.
0: Sorry. You guys dropped the ball on that. You should have stopped at 17. You're right. That would have been great. That would have been so epic, but it's okay. Maybe though. I'll
1: just say it was 17. I think it'd be good. Yeah. Okay. From Dude, now on. From
0: now on. Why? 17 years. Right. So then you went, uh, was it directly after that that you started eight and a half? I know Emily went to... Pakistan. Yeah, it was like a Have Friday you?
1: and a Monday. I really? mean, it was, I was number 17 on a Friday and I was eight and a half on a Monday.
0: <laughs> were, you, were you worried that people would think you were less cool like, with a, a smaller number?
1: I was not worried about that, no. Okay, that's good.
0: I like the way that the eight and a half, it all works out good. Visually, yes. it works very well.
1: And it was a funny name. It was a funny, you know, I yeah.
0: like funny names. Did you take a lot of the existing clients from the, from your first thing, or did you start anew?
1: Oh, no. Were, you know, we pretty much had our own clients at number 17, so it just worked oh, out okay. very oh, naturally. That's so awesome. That's yeah, so it was cool. good. All right, hang on. We keep this going is here. how girls do it. Yes. No fighting, no biting.
0: <sighs> I know. Guys are way too aggressive.
1: Um, oh. wait. So...
0: I'd like for this podcast to bridge the gap between entry-level designers and the industry's best. And you are definitely one of the best. So, um, And I'd also like to do that by pointing out that um, for many designers, there are times of insecurity and falling flat on your face and um, getting thrown out of places because you don't have enough experience. Was there anything that you had in your – any story that really stands out that was like a moment of like failure and that it just felt like, you know.
1: Oh my God, tons. <laughs> um,
0: What's the worst? I want to know the biggest train wreck that's ever happened in the history of your life that you could talk about on the air, <laughs> design-wise.
1: I mean, really, in the – I'm trying to think. Gosh, this is a really hard question. I know. I'm, because I'm going hard. <laughs> as – number 17 and as eight and a half i have a lot of clients all the time Mm -hmm. so if something goes wrong it doesn't mean everything is going wrong like when you have a more normal job where if you fuck up right you could be fired and that could be huge so i I haven't had that since i've owned my own company really um but when i but when i was looking for work when i was first you know, out of college and looking for work. It w- that's one of the reasons I'm teaching this class. It was so hard, and and the way nobody writes you back, nobody tells you anything, nobody. Like you could have a great interview and then you never hear from them again. Oh. And I know, no, it's really. I think people forget what it's like and how hard it is to be on the other side. Yeah. So so, but you just have to work really hard to not take it personally when that shit goes down. Yeah um and just keep remembering like who you are and what you want to do and what you're good at and keep going for it you can't let that bring you down because it's it's you know when people like I don't get to write someone back for three days and then when I remember I feel terrible I always used to think when I was young like oh I'm really busy I'll get back to you next week I was like Next week, you don't have five minutes for a phone call. Like yeah. I didn't understand, but I understand now. Yeah. And sometimes you just don't have time to make those calls, so it's you just have to keep keep your confidence up any way you can. Right. I right. know. I remember how hard it was. I really, really do. I can taste right.
0: it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it can be uh, so hard, and I you know I'm finally uh, I just started a new internship this week at, uh, at Bulletproof. I'm super excited about that, and I want to run this by you because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, When I first had my first job, looking, reflecting back on it was kind of taking this position of like, I'm just really happy to be here, I'm going to be the person who speaks when spoken to, And, and not that you should be aggressive, but I'm realizing now that I think one of the reasons why I didn't succeed was because I was not stating my opinions and if we were in a critique, I didn't want to be the one who spoke up because it's not my place. And now like this new job I feel and a part of it is the people and the people being receptive of it and feeling comfortable enough to do that.
1: But I think you're, for, you're a little older.
0: Right. It's a little bit older. One year. It's been a it's been a long year, but I feel good now. But I've realized though that don't be assertive like be assertive, don't be a douchebag, but like, you know, be like your voice is valid and you deserve to be there. Why do you, many young designers feel that like they're not able to do that and do you think that they should kind of be a fly in the wall or,
1: or get involved in I, I mean you're I, I feel bad saying this but really you should do both like I always right. tell my like if I do a sketch for someone and say please you know execute this this is this is my idea nothing makes me happier than them saying I did what you asked and then but I had another idea right so you're listening you're doing what you're supposed to do you're being the good soldier that you right. are. But then and you know then you bring your own stuff to it and even if it doesn't work you're showing me who you are and I can't give you the responsibility to do more until I know who you are and how you think and how you problem solve. Right. So always just doing exactly following orders I'll, I right. won't make that. Yeah. I won't know that you have that drive in you. Yeah. So but but that's I'm not encouraging not listening to your, you know, creative director. You should definitely do what they ask. Right. And then say, I thought there was a problem with it because I thought it looked a little too, you know, dense or whatever, so I did it this way too. That is the best. I mean sometimes people are like, So then, you know, it's a logo design and then I had this idea to, you know, put it on a building. Like, well, we don't need it on a building, so calm down, cowboy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, the live surface thing. Don't. I went. I went through that phase where I would take the same logo. That's a big problem I see, like in a lot of uh, portfolios. And my own, I had it. Like where I think that they get the, like a visual system is one thing. This is a big thing. I feel like we should talk about this because a lot of people get this confused. Like a visual system is one thing. Like well, one that comes to mind is like you know Michael Beirut's MIT Media Lab. That's a visual like language, a visual system. And then I see a lot of people that have portfolios, and it's like the same logo that's live surfaced and photoshopped onto seven different, different billboards with yeah, different that's... inverses. That's not, and that was a big thing I got caught up on. You know, we was just kind of doing the same thing, and this is what it looks like on a pin. That doesn't really right. translate to the real world. So
1: no, it doesn't.
0: So let's let's talk portfolio since we're on that. So and when you're looking at a portfolio, what are some of the things that impress you and what are some of the things that you wish you never saw again or keep seeing over and over again?
1: I mean, I like being surprised. Um, There's a few schools where everybody does the same assignment and if you see a few portfolios from it, it's sort of people have really pigeonholed you into this one kind of thing. So I love seeing when people invent their own projects and solve them. Right. Because even just the invention of the project tells me a lot about the way you think. I want to see who the person is. Right, And sometimes portfolios that have very generic school assignments in them don't give me any indication. They tell me more about the teacher than they do about the student. Right. So I want to see how, you know, how you think. And it's definitely, you know, I I don't necessarily need to see... um, Oh,
0: gosh. <laughs> so many bad things.
1: <laughs> There's so many bad things. <laughs> I, Comic
0: Sans. Let's start with Comic Sans.
1: No, no. It's not that. I mean, you know, what would be, again, surprise me. Like, what would be amazing is to see Comic Sans used incredibly well. Right. Like, that would blow my mind. Good luck. <laughs> You're right. It's yeah. probably no, I, any...
0: I know how you mean though. It's, yeah.
1: But but I like when the whole presentation, everything about it, when somebody's letter, somebody's resume, someone's portfolio, all speaks, and I get a a three sixty degree portrait of a person. Right. That's rare. Yeah. And right. but it it really is amazing when, when you get it and they stand out above the crowd for sure.
0: Yeah. If you're just leaving school, and this is a big thing that I dealt with and a lot of my friends are dealing with right now, companies, as Debbie Millman says, do not hire people for altruistic reasons. It's not a charity. It's you know, there are things and deadlines that need to be met and you could be the nicest person in the world if they feel like you're not going to deliver you're not going to get hired. How do you demonstrate just having had just left school, you know, you want to know about that person, but what is it that makes a, a creative director or, or an owner of a business, what makes you want to take a chance on someone or, or do you not? Cause I, you know, I've heard some people say that they don't, you know,
1: I, I mean that person, even like, you know, if you, if in school you're, you have to design a magazine, what, you know, what did you invent as your magazine? how is it is it clever at all or is it generic? Like, right. did you pick Time magazine and, you know, did their logo and their red frame? Right. Or did you, like, reinvent the medium? Even school projects can tell me so much. Right. Um, and in terms of skills, the one thing I would say is don't ever exaggerate. Don't say you rock at Photoshop and then you're given a project because somebody heard you say oh, yeah. You're, you can really do it, and then you can't. That's oh. way worse than saying. Once we got a resume where someone said um, put After Effects on a resume, and we said, "How long have you been doing After Effects?" She said, "Oh no, I can't do it yet, but I'm gonna learn it." Oh no. We were like, no.
0: You know what's a big pet peeve of mine is, um, it was on the donut resume, where it was like when they have the uh, the the meters of their skill thing. Take that, that off. Perfect. If you if you have that on your resume, take that off. And, like, and expertise is another one, too. Unless you're, like, you know, some Bonnie Siegler-type character, don't do not do that.
1: No, the chart of your relative skills in Adobe Creative Suite is just absurd. Yeah. So you're 5% better in InDesign than in Photoshop. How fascinating. Yeah. I'm, like, a
0: 3% in After Effects. I think also, too, like, honesty will, will go a long way. Like, uh, this job, yes. I got this job because I was, like, you know... I have an understanding of visual systems and I have an understanding I have a deep love of package design and and I would just rant and like you know my eyeballs would like pop out of my head when I would talk about it and I just loved it but I also made it very clear from the jump that you know I'm coming in this position as an intern because I don't know the logistics of how it all works but I want that you know I want to learn so that, that that's more impressive than just lying and then getting thrown out cuz you will get thrown out Trust me.
1: I, I totally agree, <laughs> but, but you're being passionate about it is what makes the whole difference. Right. That you care, that you want to learn, that this is the love of your life and this is what you want to do more than anything. That carries a ton of weight, as does, you know, when someone says they want to, your company is the one they really want to work at as long as they're not sending that exact same letter to 27 companies, yeah. but you can tell by the way they write it, by what right they say. No, it really does make a difference. You want to know who the people are and what they care about,
0: right? For sure,
1: caring is really important. That's true. I actually not not just a job. Yeah, I. Yeah, sorry. (laughs)
0: Because
1: we do. I mean, what we do isn't like a job, job. Right. It's not like anyone can sit in this chair and follow these rules. Yeah. So you need to care.
0: I wanted to touch while we're here. um, You're designing. You have. So this would be now be. This is your third
1: lynda.com course you're doing, right? Uh, well, the, they made one little documentary. The documentary. It, and then I did one class. This will be my second class.
0: Right. And then the, so the the class, the first class was art direction and mm-hmm. kind of describing you know what an art director is and um, kind of the confusion around that term. And I think a lot yes. of uh, that's another thing people put on the resume. It's like it's like design and art direction. I graduated yeah. in June. I was guilty of that. So it's like, don't put that, um, like, again, exaggerating can really kind of screw you over because you have like art direction because somebody, you know, somebody has that on their portfolio who does do that and then you copy their portfolio and now you're discounted because they're like, art direction, this kid doesn't know what he's doing. So what are some of the the misconceptions about it and when when do you
1: know that you're ready? Uh, I mean, I think it's different for everybody. I don't think there's a certain number of years or anything, but you know when... A project is in front of you, and you know what to do. You just know in your soul what to do about every aspect of it, how to pull it together. When you have that comfort level, you're ready. Right. So I'm sure there are people who are really young, and then there are people who don't start being you know, an art director or creative director until they're much older. Right. So it's really just your experience, what you've done and how you approach work and whether you can lead other people and tell other people what to do and give criticism well and make projects better at every step. Right. That's what it takes.
0: What are some of like the biggest takeaways that you have? Because you know, it's, it's easy to have this podcast and just get like advice for young designers, but from your standpoint and your day-to-day interaction with your designers, what is it like on your end when you're the person who's responsible for you know, keeping the clients, paying bills and doing all that? How do you how do you navigate someone's inexperience and kind of how do you direct that so that it, it all works out at the end of the day?
1: I mean the most important thing for a young designer is to ask questions when they don't know the answer. Right. That's that's a pet peeve of mine if somebody like didn't understand and doesn't tell me they didn't understand for two days.
0: Oh my god. <laughs> yeah.
1: So time gets wasted. And they just make assumptions, even though they know they don't. You know when you don't know something. Yeah. You know it.
0: <laughs> and the, and your creative director knows it too. Because I used to try and like you know like oh I could do it. I'll go back to my desk and figure it out. It's written all over your face
1: when you don't know. Yes. And and so asking or if or maybe I didn't give you all the information. Maybe it's totally my fault. But if you don't let me know that, I can't help you. And then you're wasting time. And then you're it's annoying right from the get go. Yeah. But yeah. another thing that always made me crazy is when someone when someone brings something to you and says so this is what i've done and you say "Hmm, it's not really readable and they say this is the pet peeve part i know like if you knew (laughs) yeah why would you bring it make it better like again do what do what i ask you to do even if it's wrong and then make it better do what you think it should be and that's how we learn what your taste level is what you're capable of all of those things Mm -hmm.
0: Cool. Yeah. making connections this is super random but I have to ask about this uh your your profile pictures you are winning for like most insane profile pictures with That's... like celebrities Barack o- Barack Obama Alec yeah. Baldwin dressed up uh, I'm like I'm because yes. I'm th- you know how, like Sean Adams like photoshops all his pro like he yes, no, that those are real which is brilliant but uh like yeah. yes it is it is so how awesome is your life number one and and I'm just kidding, but like how do you so I know that you, you work with him, right? On um, is that on SNL? Are you still working with SNL?
1: I am, but but um I'm doing a book with Alec now called it's a Trump it's a so called parody, Trump autobiography. Oh no. Alec Baldwin and Kurt Anderson, and it's called You Can't Spell America Without Me. That's great. And that
0: sounds like that, something he'd
1: say. And that was exactly. And that was the cover shoot. Right. And then so, I just got to have my picture taken with him.
0: Oh my god! I, I have to meet him now. It's and
1: uh, Obama was I did a I did a bunch of work for fundraisers for Obama, including one called Veracklin. right? Um, which was in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Bowl, and um, and then yeah, laugh I, your pants I, off, you did Ver. For... exactly. Did you meet her? I did not meet Hillary. She couldn't come because the debate was the next night, and we were all. <laughs> but she did make a video message. That's and cute. we had so many great people. We, Amy Poehler and Anna Gassire hosted it, and Aziz Ansari performed, and Sashir from a lot, we Your life is medians. lit.
0: That's so crazy that like you <laughs> get to talk to those people and hang out with them. Do you still get like the feeling of like uh, like starstruck, or uh, having had worked in the industry for a while? Do you? kind No, of get I
1: totally get starstruck. Absolutely, but but when I have a job to do, then I just right. do my job. Meeting Obama, though.
0: memories, fond memories when America was a better place. Yes. Yeah. So when you look back on your, on the road thus far, what are some of the the biggest things that you've learned um, in terms of, you know, like how to be a leader and, and how to be your most true self? Is there anything that you would tell somebody who's just starting out just now getting into design?
1: You know, I don't know if there's one way to do it. I feel very lucky the way it went for for me, but, um, yeah, everybody's different. I I really don't think, I don't have, um, you know, your true self stuff. I don't think.
0: No inspirational quotes.
1: I I really, I don't think about that bigger picture. I just sort of keep working every day, just work, work, work. So I think like that's it. You just got to keep working. And just Yeah, definitely. it's the key to everything. Just keep working.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's weird because people get so like um, get so caught up in finding inspiration and, and watching Linda courses and doing going to all the events, but then their portfolio doesn't reflect that. So it's like I think <laughs> a lot of people want to be inspired but don't want to do the work. And I think that just the saying. work is everything.
1: Definitely. And also, you can be inspired. I mean, a walk in the park is inspiring. There's inspiration everywhere. Yeah. It's not hard to find inspiration. That's Especially true. with Google, for God's sake. Google
0: you got Skype, meet the creatives, Command X. Command X. Apply to Command X. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. Um, maybe I'll write the same Santa Claus letter, and hopefully, it's uh, well received. <laughs> Oh, I'll try and take out, uh, I'll try and make sure that has the right name on there. No,
1: yeah, exactly. Don't, don't say dear Emily. Yeah, no,
0: I can't. <laughs> it was so funny because at the end of the interview, I was like, I was like, did you guys read the letter? And they're like, Yeah, we read the letter. I was like, oh no. <laughs> so when I didn't get that job, when I didn't get that job, it was like, I remember being outside of Madison Square Garden. With tears in my eyes and also laughing at how stupid the whole thing was. And I also thought that I burned the bridge with Debbie Millman because it was like she like forwarded it. And I was like, oh, no, she's never going to talk to me again. This is no, – it's fine, though. Everything's cool. Crazy.
1: Yeah. Crazy. I'm sure it was all fine.
0: Yeah. And, okay. I, and I love where I am now. So everything works out for a reason. So it's good. Definitely. Awesome. Where can people find you? Uh, this is what I like to call shameless self-promotion time. So um. everything – books, anything.
1: Well, I'm writing a book that will be out next spring. But it's, it's, it's not for designers. It's for clients. Mm. It's called how to work with designers. That's important. That's equally as important. It is because I don't, I don't feel like schools teach about designers. I also, I do a workshop at graduate schools about working with clients. I just feel like it's an overlooked part of the design education, and it's such a huge part of what we do. Right, for sure. And clients, um, I think a lot of them don't have, it, don't really understand what we do, and sometimes it goes off the rails, partially because of that. No comment. So, um, <laughs> so this is um, this is a book to help clients. You know, if I give them the benefit of the doubt that they just didn't know um, better. Right. And this is telling them, you know, how it is for us. Right. From the other side. Your website is 8.5.com. There's a whole bunch of awesome stuff
0: there. And I I wish that we had a time today to get to all the case studies and stuff. But check out Bonnie's work, take her classes. Bonnie Siegler, you're one of the most woke people I know. Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you.